0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Daniel Knox is about an album that my band recorded on November 23rd, 2007. And I wanted to talk to Daniel Knox on November 23rd, 2020, because a lot has changed. And fortunately, one of the things that has not changed is he is still making wonderful, wonderful music. The the thing that you're hearing right now is actually a very old track by Daniel, and he's got a new record coming out at the start of the year. And uh, I, I've heard an early release, and it's it's just fantastic, and I'm very excited for you to hear it. Like I said, that's not going to come out until the new year, but in the meantime, you could listen to this conversation. Coronavirus has ravaged the, the world. It's why this record exists. It's why this podcast, unfortunately, for the first time ever, has a Patreon, so... If you can't, if you have the funds, please consider donating at everybody.com. It's on the About page. It's in this podcast description. Uh, The link to purchase Daniel's music is in this podcast description. Daniel Knox. I have two pieces of my, I guess, past life, uh, my life in bands in my house that's on the wall. And one of them is... uh, is a fr- is a, they're both in frames. One of them is a screen printed poster for a show that I was part of with like 20 other bands. And the main reason why we have it on the wall isn't because my band's name is on it, but because of the memory it invokes because it was when uh, The Dark Knight was filming in downtown Chicago and all the streets were cut off and my and my girlfriend saw uh, Heath Ledger riding a skateboard in, in full Joker get up, right? So that's one of them. And the other one of them is is a single flyer for a show that you and I were on the same bill. It was on November 23rd, 2007 at a show at Ronnie's, a place that no longer exists. And my band no longer exists. The other band on that bill no longer exists. And you were the only one still performing (laughs) from that show. And I find it interesting because when we met, you didn't really want to play shows. And all I wanted to do was play shows. And this is like 18 years ago.
1: We had an argument about that, I remember. We did have an argument about that. Yeah.
0: And... The, you were the, right
1: about that. You were right about it, too. You, you actually won the argument, and I didn't even realize
0: it at that time. <laughs> maybe. It's a weird time, because I, I lost all arguments in terms of playing live. There's no more live right now. It's temporary. <laughs> but it was for a record release show slash record recording. So we released an EP that we did done in a studio that night and that was like the big release and I said screw it I don't want to wait again I'm going to cut the next record at the same show. So that's the second that that's the second record that's the second show. So today I'm listening to your record that's not out yet and I'm just going to assault you with compliments right now. It's a ama- it's it's the best thing you've done to me. Wow. I nice, love man. it so much. But here's the thing. Do I love it so much? Because I've known you for 18 years and I know, I think I know the arch, the, the storytelling. I I think I know the notes you're hitting that aren't sure. notes, that aren't musical notes, if that makes sense. Does that make sense?
1: It makes sense. I mean, you know, what's funny that you mentioned about that, uh, being your second, you know, doing like a live record or whatever, this this record was done in six weeks. We burned through it. And I mean, I'm talking about the writing, like these songs didn't, none of these songs existed a few months ago at all. Uh, and like, I literally just kind of ripped through the whole thing. And so it has that kind of spirit that like, uh, you know, I don't know that Ronnie's had in that sense that it was just sort of like fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. Um, but also, there's a lot of maybe you're responding to some of the the notes on it that kind of call back to things on older records of mine, which was kind of deliberate. But like nothing's really deliberate when you're moving that fast. So I don't know. I so can't tell I'm, why.
0: I'm not entirely incredibly familiar with the record yet. I heard it for the first time today, but I'm pretty sure I hear parts of like Armageddon song, and I want to say Vinegar Hill, and I hear parts of the concept record that you had that you performed in New York city and yeah. then performed at the Kennedy Center in a bunch of places in fool in the heart. Right. But I could be lying to myself and it could also, be a little nothing.
1: more of it's weird because look to me fool in the heart is like kind of the promise of a lot of things coming together that I, I never quite got correct. And I feel like that song might actually be my best song. That's, I mean, I'm no buddy to say that or not, but like it, I, I personally feel like it's my best song and it's sort of like uh, Blue Car and and some of the yes um... that's
0: that's that's right yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I was hearing more David Carmichael.
1: Well, it, it, that's funny. It's a sequel to David Carmichael.
0: Oh, is it really?
1: It is. So, um, then you know, David Carmichael was my invisible friend growing up, and the, the song David Carmichael is about kind of bumping into him, uh, you know, in uh, just 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 on the street, and then. Fool in the Heart is about uh, it, it, it spans uh, three specific places in time and space that kind of uh, have to happen separately and all at once to create a kind of uh, single moment that uh, where we decide whether or not if I crash the car it's going to um, kill us both or make us merge into one person and uh i know that sounds a little schizophrenic no but no this, it doesn't that's, that's, that's what it's about and um and uh so that i thought that that was maybe a good song to sort of like break character in and uh and i was really nervous actually to do that but um
0: are well, you nervous I... anymore uh yeah Why? a little bit of what
1: uh I'm more nervous for what I think isn't going to happen than what I think is going to happen. There's no great like event that I'm I'm concerned about anymore and that used to be the case. I think now you know I turned 40 this year and I I think I kind of like realized like no I'll I'll never be seen as young by really anybody but you know my grandmother again mm-hmm. and and so you just kind of start thinking about things you want to pack into the time that's left. Not that I'm like too precious about that. I'm really not. But um, if it's, if we're talking about what makes me nervous, you know, I'm more nervous by how things sort of get away from you than I am any kind of, uh, you know, embarrassment or, or things not going right. I don't know. All that sort of has happened one way or another for me so far.
0: So you're 39 right now.
1: No, I'm, I'm 40 right now. You're I turned 40, 40 on uh, okay. September 22nd. Yeah. So
0: two, two things about that. So you were 27 when we were playing at Ronnie's, and I was 24. And That's right. your songs don't sound like a 27-year-old. They sound more like a 40-year-old, and that's a compliment. I think that your song, songs sound like it's someone – They did that, then too, though. Oh, no, for sure. Agreed. And my songs definitely sound like a 24-year-old's. And – I hadn't listened to that record in a decade. Uh, my bassist sent it to me earlier this year, I think at the start of the pandemic, and it was just like, oh, wow, I, I I don't know most of these songs. I don't know how to play any of these songs. And it was something that was both incredibly dumb but incredibly pure, if that makes sense. And I'm very, very glad that I did it because I, I no longer have that itch to scratch. But you're not doing that. You're, you're still... You're pro- I think you're writing your best stuff yet, and you seem to be thriving without caring about anything else in terms of why you're doing what you're doing other than the fact to do it. Does that make sense?
1: Kind of. I mean, I think that part of it for me is that, like, the you know, I, I realized at a certain point that the, you know... I think when you're young, you have these ideas of, of success and they involve a lot of like people, you know, adoring you or, or, you know, or being on the cover of a magazine or these sorts of things. And because you feel like that's what uh, appreciation is and that's what you want when you're you're young, you want to be loved and you want to be accepted by people and you want to be accepted by people for who you are. And if you're any good, your work is a good summation of who that is so that, you know, it all kind of lines up. But at a certain point, I think, you know, I kind of it kind of clicked for me that success or, or, or winning the game, so to speak, is really just staying in the game. And so for me, it really hasn't been uh, I kind of stopped looking for some sort of break, some sort of making it. And mm-hmm. I just thought all I really want is to get what I'm just to do what I want to do and get it in front of as many people as I can reasonably that want to hear it and, and just stay in it. And that has been difficult. And I think it's difficult for a lot of people, but for me, there's nothing really more than that, that I want. There's no other thing that I'm trying to get off the ground. There's no, you know, I'm not trying to make films anymore. I'm not trying to, uh, I have no real personal goals that, that, that matter to me more than just making another record. And I always, somehow seem to get one made uh, one way or another probably because it's all I really give a shit about anymore so I don't know if that means that I'm like thriving I, I think it just means that I'm you know I think thriving at this point is 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 just carrying on
0: no you're wrong for uh, <laughs> you, you for you <laughs> yes but so I know you don't give a shit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nor should you but uh, recently Nine Inch Nails was inducted right and Nine Nails is amazing, and they're still producing amazing works of art, and they're still pushing forward, and they're trying new things. And that is not the case with pretty much anyone else that's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anymore. People are usually just treading water and resting on laurels and playing the hits, for better or worse. And that's the difference. Usually when someone's been doing something for a decade plus, there's diminishing returns there. There are clearly exceptions, and staying in the game is not necessarily a good thing all the time. I think a lot of the time people just need to stop and I'm glad you didn't stop. I'm glad I also did stop. Does that make sense?
1: But I mean, you know, staying in the game doesn't mean like, uh, you know, whether or not it's good or whether or not, you know, if I didn't feel like I had a record to make, I wouldn't make one. You know what I mean? But like I always tend to feel like I'm moving toward that, um, it's not about necessarily just longevity, but just kind of staying staying active in 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 the work and also always trying to look for for something new while while looking back at what you've done and and, and using that to some degree. Does that make sense?
0: That does make sense. Do you I, we we spoke a few months ago and you mentioned uh, playing shows and you actually wouldn't mind playing shows at this point. Do do you miss playing shows at this point?
1: that's a tough thing for me, man. I mean, like, kind of, I don't feel the same way that people do about shows. Like, I'm not, I don't love going to shows. I don't go to shows. I I, I'm uncomfortable, man. I don't like going to some concert and having to like stand there. And I don't know, it's really deeply uncomfortable for me. My favorite shows are the ones where, um, you know, it's like one person playing and everybody's really into it and everybody's really quiet and that's not how it usually is. And, um, I miss touring i miss the act of touring i miss the act of um getting you know what happens for me on stage when i play my songs over and over and i learn new things about them by by the information i get from people when i play them there's kind of something special that happens in a room when you you know figure something out new with your material you know it usually happens like halfway through a tour that feeling I, I miss, and I miss the interaction with people after shows. Uh, the but, yeah, I I, I I guess I do. I don't know. I have different attitudes about that. I'll tell you one thing though that this 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 whole like Zoom concert thing is not it.
0: <laughs> you were the one championing something. You did for, was it Ireland or England?
1: I had a great time. That was that was cool. That was a really weird one-off thing I did for a room of twenty people who were all really into it. In this this strange place on the other side of the world and all these people that i'd never met you know who like and that was cool but like that's not what i guess what i mean is like that's not that's not the replacement that's not the thing that's not gonna cut it you know what i mean and mm-hmm. it's like ask yourself honestly and i don't mean to disparage anybody who's doing it people if you if there's an artist who's doing that you should support them if you like their work but um like i don't want to watch no <laughs> i no, don't want to watch those you. shows You know what I mean? Like how, like maybe they like, and also like they should be like 20 minutes or whatever, or just go. Yeah. I don't know. It's just not that's it's, it's, it's messy. You know, it's not a good replacement.
0: Yeah, I agree. They should either be incredibly short or marathons. They should be 12 minutes or 12 hours, something or, or,
1: or a production, you know, like make like a, make like a concert film or something, but not everybody has that, that the resources for that.
0: You, we're very careful in terms of preserving your work and i think you always have viewed your your output as as part of the catalog and you i'm assuming you have like all of your demos and everything you've ever recorded you know where that is is that true
1: that's true i have a hard drive that is it's not as organized as i would like it to be but it's pretty organized
0: i am I don't have that and I don't really regret it because I love the idea of burning it all down and having to start over. Does that make sense?
1: Um, no.
0: Okay. (laughs) What I want to know is, has that brought you any joy cataloging your own work, (laughs) knowing where everything is, trying to pull from lyrics 10 years ago or melodies from 15 years ago? Has that ever benefited you?
1: it's been useful. Okay, so I'll yes. say this, like, yeah, it's been useful to, to have like, uh, a place to refer to for old things. I don't go back and listen to my old shows and I never listen to my shows once I've, I've played them. I don't go like, listen to live stuff. And I, I rarely listen to my own records, but like there's been times when I wanted to refer to something like an old demo or something I worked on and like having that, you know i i've taken songs that i started when i was like uh you know 27 26 and 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 finished them you know recently you know what i mean like that 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 still happens once in a while uh not that not really but i don't know there's no vanity in it for me it's not like i look back at it and think oh wow like what an amazing career you know what i mean i i don't it just uh i think it also for me given my kind of obsessive nature i think it just helps me kind of gain some perspective i need to kind of know where i've been to be able to sort of plant my feet and
0: move forward so you're not a you're not opposed to looking back but you're not consistently looking back
1: i <sighs> I have a weird relationship with it. like like right now, the one of the hardest things to do like I have a lot of situations that call for me. I like taking pictures. I'm pretty good at taking pictures. It, it's a it's a hobby and I have tons and tons of, of of great pictures I could be using for like artistic purposes or like videos and things. but I can't do it. I can't go through that material because it makes me feel like sick to look at and just remember where I was when that was taken and who was there and what, you know, it makes me really, really uncomfortable with, with music. It's a little different. I can kind of take myself out of it. Um, I, I I don't mind listening to some old recording of myself if it's for a reason, if I'm going to use it or if I'm, I'm kind of like, so, so one thing, for instance, like, uh, I was doing an Instagram live concert thing just you know I, I do that once in a while and there's this uh, german kid who gets on there sometimes and he asked me why i don't uh write any mean songs anymore he was like why don't you write any like of the funny like mean songs
0: <laughs> i don't like the new of.
1: well well kind of i mean the first two songs the first song specifically is my response to him
0: about oh really that.
1: i mean like I I had some time and I was like, well, oh, fuck it, you know. Like what what's wrong with putting on? I, put putting on the old jacket to see if it still fits, you know. Yeah. And it does, and it doesn't. Oh
0: bullshit! Like, it fits really well.
1: Like, well. I don't know. Like in that song, it's it, a I thought great it. That song, out man, good. I love that song. But that was literally me just trying to be like, well, fuck it. I'll just write one of the old ones and stick it on there. You know what I mean? And see it, and then and then use that as kind of a jumping off point as opposed to. Uh,
0: Dude, I don't think I, you you realize how few people could write that song and could do that well that type of song is so easy to fuck up but you don't fuck it up I can't write that song I wish I could write that song
1: somebody somebody else could write that song and yes better, but most probably. can't maybe so I mean the, to me it was just kind of like I wanted to um, deliberately write one of my old songs but not But just write it from from the position that i'm in now Mm -hmm. and uh and it worked and it was mostly just from it was also for me to just kind of prove like well fuck, why don't i just you know there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that formula and then it kind of i kind of felt guilty i was like the only reason i didn't i wasn't writing a song like that was because i thought i was done with it or something i had some kind of pride in in moving on from it and i thought well who am i like to think i'm so big i can't go back and do the old stuff it's like tiny tim comes on stage you want to hear him sing tiptoe through the tulips Mm -hmm. or whatever like i can get up there and you know be mean and and try to (laughs) try to do that thing again 100 percent
0: of the time i think of you performing live i think of you with a giant stack of lyrics you even you can't need the lyrics to a song like disaster at this point
1: uh I, I could probably disaster's easy. That's a short song mm-hmm. and all the verses are the same and the and the bridge is the same. Sure. I could probably sing disaster right now. But honestly, the um because I don't read music, like the line breaks have become a kind of sight reading for me. They Got just kind of like help me know where I'm at in the song because I'm not, you know, technically proficient about those things. And so knowing sometimes just breaking it, breaking up those things on the page and having kind of a, just a general uh, flashlight of where to where to where to go next is is really helpful
0: do you worry at all that if you don't play a song after a certain amount of time you will not remember how to play that song
1: if it's recorded I can go back I mean okay. I can pick up I can pick up anything if it's if it's if there's a recording of it um, there's a few that are like really like I wrote some weird chord changes and I don't know it takes me a while. like I couldn't just I couldn't just sit down and like pull it right out. Mm-hmm. And I would have to run through it a few times, but um, that's not too much of
0: a concern. I'm f- I'm framing this entire conversation around what we did 13 years ago, and because <laughs> I'm thinking consistently, what am I doing now? Right, I've been doing this show not as long as that time has been, and most everyone that's listening to this show does not even know I had a band or. Does not well they know you because they're listening And you're the subject of this piece but y- You've seen me Before the band b- b- Post b- During the band p- post band Way after post band right now right You never Liked my music nor should you it, it wasn't it does not Gel at all with your music Yet you were always Not always but most every time I asked you to play You would say okay why did You say okay
1: a couple reasons and it's not that i i liked watching you play your music i don't you know that's just not my style of music it's not of course you know and uh, to the point that i wouldn't know if you were good or bad at it i just don't that's not even like that's not even my neighborhood but like um i would say yes for a couple of reasons i mean one reason was uh i don't i mean you probably remember this but there was a particular we, so we had had that conversation at, 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 when we, were, we both worked at Music Box Theater for people who don't know. We both were concessionaires at Music Box Theater for a, a period, and I eventually became a projectionist. Brandon eventually left. And uh, we had had a conversation there about playing shows, and then you had all these opinions that, uh, uh, you know, there's no show that you shouldn't do. You should do as many shows as possible. And I argued, you know, that wasn't true and that there were shows that were beneath you and that there were shows that weren't worth doing etc um, and uh, cut to I don't know a year or two later mm-hmm. and it's Halloween night and I am uh, drinking very heavily at this point I don't anymore and um, I, I run into you on the street in front of your apartment. That's correct. I don't remember the specifics because I was very drunk, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, we just sort of hung out and you were asking me what I was up to. And I had said that I had played a show or something like that, but I wasn't really doing it or into it. And then, so you had said that you would, you were putting on shows and you would put on a show for me to play. And then you started to ask me to play shows. And that you know nobody nobody was asking me to play shows and I didn't know how to really knock on the on the door for that and so that kind of you know got me playing uh shows initially like it really uh I was at a point where I was feeling like I wasn't making any traction with it and then all of a sudden you're asking me to play these shows and they went well you know some of them were weird some of them were like these beat kitchen shows where I would be on a bill with all these bands that were like nothing had nothing to do with me, (laughs) you know, but, 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 but the thing was, what I would notice was I would play to a room and a whole bunch of people in the room would fucking hate it. But then there would be like a few people who loved it, yeah, who were really like, what the fuck is this guy? You know? And I, and then they brought more people to your next shows that I was on. And I thought if I can do that, you know, then maybe I can kind of keep, keep doing this and then so between between you and some of those fax shows that i got those dax mm-hmm. douglas booked shows like that was my first um those were my first like that was when i really started playing in a serious way so when so when you would ask me to to do those i always felt like you know there's there's no reason i i shouldn't do that and and both in service to your original idea that i Mostly now agree with you know that there's there's no reason not to do a show unless it's like you know conflicting with another show or something like that, yeah. Um, and 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 also you know out of a for that. So I don't know if I've ever formally like thanked you for that, too. You don't
0: thank me. Uh, that okay, so we were working together in 2002, I quit early 2003. That's Halloween 2003 is when you run into me. But the show on November 23rd isn't until 2007. So there's four years.
1: Of... But I played a lot of your stuff oh, in yeah. between there. Oh, yeah. You played a lot of shows with us.
0: Yeah. And it you were maybe like... You were definitely the exception that proves... Or that whatever. You were the guy or the band <laughs> that people would actually be like, oh, no, this guy's good. And you would actually make fans.
1: <laughs> well... uh how many of them i kept i don't know but i the 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 interesting thing about that show at ronnie's was that it was the first show back after um i had like had what i considered like my big break in london Mm -hmm. and i was on the stage and so i was called to play this this uh this guy david coulter saw me um do the thing with david lynch at the music box and he asked me to fly out to london and do this uh this concert with, with Damon Albarn, Rufus Wainwright, Imogen Heap, and the handsome family. And then he booked me a tour with the handsome family immediately after that. And, um, I thought that was just like, I thought, okay, well, obviously this is my moment. And after this, it's all going to be gravy. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, just as like, and then, and then, and then I came home and played Ronnie's and I was like, maybe not, maybe not, <laughs> but, but, but that show was fun too. And I think that that, that was kind of like, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like it was humbling to me or anything. It was more just sort of like, Oh yeah. Okay. I've, I'm not, I still have some, some work to do, but, but I also played those shows sort of like I was playing them on a really big stage. And that was sort of kind of the, the really, important lesson there was to to keep doing that
0: if that makes sense that totally makes sense but we never actually set the scene for ronnie's ronnie's was a literal garage it used to be a mechanic shop and where the bands would perform we used to be the garage and the bar itself was more just like the side of the garage right so there were two distinct areas and neither were clean And it was a garage floor. It was not carpeted. There was no tile. It was a hard sounding room. And that's why we wanted to record it there because they didn't care what you did. So we were able to like come in early and mic it all up in a really actually okay sounding way. And it was you and Twin Rex the Memory. Twin Rex the Memory has way more musical DNA in common with my band because they're a rock and roll band and they're loud and they're from the south side of Chicago. And... You are from Springfield and we met on the north side and somewhere in the middle is my band who's just like it's just screaming about, trying to prevent suicide essentially <laughs> like it's some dark stuff. But Ronnie's also, I don't know if you remember this, it had the smell of burnt nacho cheese because they literally just had nacho cheese going in a crock pot 100% of the time and I don't know if right. they ever cleaned that crock pot.
1: And, and, and the smell of urine. And I think there were also car parts. If Mm -hmm. I remember this, there were car parts or like some kind of, you know, mechanical debris in that garage area. I liked, I liked that, that place a lot because it was, there was no stage, which I always, I always really appreciate. I like when you're kind of have to be on level with the audience. There's something kind of really uh, immediate about that. And I liked that there, you know similar to the mutiny um it was just sort of like a free for all you could go up yeah. and and play and and uh, so you would get like true weirdos like, you'd oh, get yeah. terrible terrible stuff too but like but you would get like true characters um going up and 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 just doing these really bizarre shows and uh yeah that's not really the case at at, at, at other other places
0: now. No. And Ronnie's was booked by like a real booking agent though. So there'd be like your indie rock act to the week. Was wizard. it or
1: was it, it was was it MP shows? Yeah, it was MP or shows. Was it like it was. Okay.
0: But the mutiny was just like had some... you, you like I want to play Tuesday. It's like, all right, we got an opening, you're in. Like the mutiny had I no mean... has no had no booking agent, and that's why it was so wonderful. And that's another reason why uh it was dangerous to play there literally because their electricity wasn't grounded.
1: Do you, do you remember the show we were supposed to do for mp shows that was with uh it was with an organist and, uh-huh. and the organist got there and his organ wouldn't fit in the church yep and so we had to go they they put us on the bill for another show that already had like you know three acts yeah and i think uh one of those acts i'll never forget and i hope i'm not you know i hope it's okay to say like uh their name was whiskey blonde yep. and they had like the girl was kneeling and had like, it was like these two kind of like beer dudes and her. And I think they were both playing bass and she was singing or something. I don't know what it was. And and it said they had a banner behind them that said myspace.com slash whiskey blonde. And, and she had a fan that would blow her hair when she would like like kind of kneel and sing. But anyway, they the funny part about that show wasn't just that. It was that I think they the promoter asked if you and I could just play each other's songs in one set. Yeah. And we kind of tried to do something like that just because we thought it was so absurd that we couldn't not attempt. I think I
0: was supposed to like, we were supposed to each do like 30. I think I did like three songs. And then like the fourth song was like into one of your songs. Right. But I
1: remember, I remember us kind of doing something kind of like combining something just to, just, just to make a, a bit of a joke of it.
0: But at certain point, like the reason why I wanted to play that show is because, like, I just wanted to hear how you would sound in that venue. Because what you're talking about, there was literally an old church in Pilsen, and I have no idea it's got to have been torn down by now. But um, they had a glowing blue cross in the middle of the church, and it sounded amazing, right? And that's the only reason I wanted to play that show with you. And then they moved us to a metal club, like three miles east which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> and at that point, those are the times where I'm thinking, well, like I know why I'm doing this because it's fun and I get drink tickets, but you don't even use those drink tickets. So like, why are you doing this?
1: Well, you know, that's one benefit of playing in, in, in my band is, uh, you get, you get the extra drink tickets from me. <laughs> I always give those out to the guys. And then, um, I remember at that, at that show, we, I did make sure that I got fed. They, they, they had to buy me a, a cheeseburger or oh, something nice. I, like demanded that they would buy me a cheeseburger, um, uh, <laughs> not a, not a terribly interesting an- anecdote, but
0: so I, I don't like nostalgia and I'm afraid that we're treading towards that path. But the reason why I'm thinking about all this stuff now is because clearly the thing that's lacking in my life isn't the band it's the lack of shows and the lack of meeting people because that's why I do what I do. And I love talking to you. I love talking to the guests. I love producing this show. It, It brings me great joy, but it's not the same joy as doing it in front of other people. And about once a year on average, you would play, you meet them, everybody live, usually at the Hungry Brain, and you were always hesitant to do it. And at the end of the night, every single time you were either happy you did it or didn't hate that you did it. And this would ab- <laughs> this would be about the time that you would do it usually. It'd usually be around Thanksgiving or Christmas and that's not going to happen this year. And I think I'm freaking out a little bit because I probably won't do a show within a year of doing my last live show and I feel like I'm isolating in ways that I didn't expect and couldn't predict. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Now you have made a beautiful, wonderful record that I don't know would exist without the pandemic.
1: That's true. I, yeah.
0: Do you think that you are oddly suited for a global pandemic?
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm maybe slightly more well adjusted to it because I'm a person who doesn't need people uh i mean everybody needs people but i don't need them (sighs) i certainly don't need them in groups i like people one at a time i've always felt that way Mm -hmm. i don't i don't like a crowd i like a show because that to me that crowd becomes you know if the show's going well that crowd becomes kind of one person that you're that you're talking to uh but and i do i do miss that but i mean uh, you know am i suited to it uh Yes and no. I mean, I go through a lot of really like the the hard part for me is that the the margins of existence have eroded and time doesn't have the meaning that it had. And when time, you know, slips through your fingers and you're just kind (sighs) of trying to get stuff done, but uh, you have all the time in the world and yet it feels like no time at all that that part of it i'm really not well suited for i i require routine and this is a paradigm that rejects routine you can't really impose a routine on something that doesn't require it you know what i mean like if it's easier to have a routine if you do have to get up and go somewhere you know every day or at least a certain amount of days or 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 if there are people expecting things of you but you know i'm unemployed i'm i've got nowhere to go Uh, nobody needs anything from me right now. So that's a really like to wake up and try to do something in that environment is really peculiar and I am not well suited for that. I think the socially, you know, in terms of missing people, I don't miss anybody, man. I'm fine. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't, man. I don't miss picnics. I don't miss fucking, you know, being around people. I don't even miss going to the movies because that's, that was ruined five years ago. People are terrible at the movies. Like I would, I was, I was stressed out going to movies because people would just talk and I would get in fights and it was not, not good. You know, like the social part of it, I don't miss people there's no friend group i want to go see i don't give a shit about any of that that part of it i'm extremely well suited to but the part of just being at home and working is incredibly difficult and i mean when i started making this record so before that i was really sick for like a month maybe a little more than a month and i didn't know what it was it wasn't covid thank god it was just some kind of something with my blood. I don't know, but I was, I, I, you know, and I'm sure that maybe, you know, anxiety dealt, you know, was part of it. I, I just couldn't get up. I couldn't move. I couldn't remember anything. I just was a mess for a month and I didn't, did not get up at all for a whole month. Uh, and, and then, and then I, you know, I went to the doctor and I took some, Pills, blah, blah, blah. I kind of, you know, worked on my diet and, and, and I started getting better. And, and literally like the week I got better, I just started, I, I had, I realized I had studio time, uh, that I was gonna, I had intended to book and, you know, I, it was coming up in, a, in like a month. And so in four, in, 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 you know, in four weeks, I wrote all these songs. There were two that I had like maybe half a verse on, but that was it. And and, and I, I just wrote really really fast and got the string parts arranged and got the the musicians together and uh, and made this this nine song full record and and doing it getting in the studio and being with people and and uh, and doing that again it, it, it was amazing there's there was nothing like it it and 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 then when it was done. I assumed, okay, I'm better now. I'm going to hit the ground, I'm going to come home, I'm going to hit the ground running. I'm going to start another record. I'm going to start doing it and then and then it just immediately like it didn't happen, you know what I mean? Like I I just was like what do I do now? You know? <laughs> There's no thing to sort of, you know, somehow I had this miracle in the middle of all this and I made this 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 record and now what do I do? What do you put ahead? You know, it's like climbing a rope and uh but you don't see what the rope is connected to, so you're always just afraid that it's gonna that it's gonna fall. So, you know, I what I try to do is to be grateful for any good day that I have or any good moment that I have, and I try to check in with people and I try to uh you know. I try I try to if I if I if I have a week where nothing happens where it just gets away from me I really try to let myself off the hook for that because it's so easy for that to happen you can't you can't beat yourself up about it um I don't know if any of that
0: Well there's a, there's a nice little bow we could put on this that I didn't realize until I really listened to the album that I recorded on 112307. Um, there's a secret track on it. And in the past few minutes, you mentioned the words neighborhood and grateful. And it's a secret track of me doing a Mr. Rogers song. Oh, wow. Yeah. The secret track is um, apparently like the show ended with just a bunch of noise and me going to do a Mr. Rogers song, which ties back to the most recent product people can buy from you, <laughs> which is. My, al- my song is not on your album You have an entire album of Mr. Rogers songs um, Mine is a secret track from an album That you cannot find online Nor purchase anywhere So, um, We have a very shared We have a shared sense of uh, Art And a shared sense of what we love And uh, we just happen to come at it From very very different perspectives I'm glad you're still doing your thing I love your thing um, The new album comes out January 15th Is that correct? That's correct. And, uh, yeah. Who, who chose that date?
1: My uh, publicist.
0: Cool. Chose that date. Just wondering. I don't know when is a good time to release anything anymore. Time means well, very little right now.
1: I mean, I feel like a bunch of people are going to have their quarantine albums coming out in the uh, springtime or whatever. So I'm trying to kind of get it out before that comes.
0: That's a weird thing that you're probably correct about, and that's probably a sentence I don't think you'd ever thought you would write or say "Oh No, no. Thanks for doing this, man.
1: Yeah, good to see you. Talk to you anyway.